Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. Dennis Smith Jr., the expiring contracts of DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews, and a draft pick in the proposed trade. The Mavericks get back Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Trey Burke. The injured all-star forward met with management today to discuss his concerns with the team's future and its culture. And just hours later, he appears headed out of New York. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com, powered by Podbean, and now powered by Pinecast. I am your host, Jack O'Hara, and this is episode 46. We're going to get into a little bit about the Kristaps Porzingis trade from the Knicks to the Mavs. Good for him. The Knicks are terrible. They've been terrible. They're going to be terrible for a long time. Great move on his part to uh, confront the front office about his uh, current situation. He was gone in a matter of a half an hour. Uh, I mean, I think it was in a span of a couple hours. I mean, uh, Persingis was rumored to potentially be on the trading block. Uh, felt good about it. And then cut up to about like, Literally no more than an hour later, he was gone. I mean, I don't have any, like, real sources, but I have a feeling that um, many Knicks fans were a little butthurt about this. His name dangling around for a while now. Finally, this goes through. Um, they were also putting his name out there in an effort to acquire Anthony Davis, who's been on the block for a while now. It's looking like he wants to play in L.A. with the Lakers and LeBron, who wouldn't. Uh, there's no other good reason why two days ago there wasn't an issue with Chris Stapp and the Knicks that was known. Uh, then the Mavericks come into town. Next, Porzingis has a meeting with the Knicks brass with the word coming out that Chris Stapp's showing interest in being traded. He's interested in being dealt away. Uh, now Chris Stapp Porzingis is on his way to Dallas, Texas. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Porzingis thought he was untouchable and didn't like being on the table for a player that was better than him for 600 Alex. Uh, like Frank Isola said in his tweet the other day or yesterday, uh, the Knicks are now gearing up for a massive summer. Getting rid of Porzingis means that they have enough to get two max guys now, uh, Kyrie Irving out there as well as Anthony Davis. Uh, like I said 10 minutes ago, even uh, what's his face? Um, Kawhi Leonard's going to be available. But like I said, uh, two or three max guys this summer. Uh, Durant has been speculated to go to the Knicks. Who knows if that's going to be true? He's already won two rings in San Fran and Oakland, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's Golden State. Uh, Kyrie's been rumored to go to New York for about a year now, too. So who knows? It should be an interesting summer. 
for the Knicks. Again, Chris Depp's Porzingis gone. He's in Dallas. They now have a good one-two punch. I mean, it was first reported by Adrian Wojnarowski that the Brooklyn Nets, the L.A. Clippers, the Miami Heat, uh, San Antonio Spurs, Toronto Raptors were all in uh, expected to pursue Kristaps Porzingis in a trade right before it happened. And man, uh, that Adrian Wojnarowski just doesn't quit, does he? I mean, he first reported earlier in the week that Anthony Davis wanted out. Uh, the Anthony Davis news broke in the beginning of the week that he wanted out. He wants to go to the Lakers now. Um, now he dropped the bomb that the Knicks best player, who hasn't played all year due, due to an ACL injury that happened last year, um, was on the market and he had high bids for him. I mean, in an article written by, uh, it was uh, Ramona Shelbourne, I believe, Porzingis uh, said he's not knowing where he stands with the organization and basically did not trust the Knicks system at all and who could blame him. Uh, not trusting the Knicks and to be able to put together a good roster because the Knicks haven't put together a good roster in decades, and it's true. I mean, there was that one time they had Stoudemire and Carmelo Anthony to build on, but they didn't really make it far in the playoffs. Uh, seems like uh, does not seem like Porzingis had much faith in the Knicks brass to be able to bring in any major free agents with guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard available next offseason. It, it's a legit grip due to no one ever going to New York City to play professional basketball. I mean, the Knicks and the Nets suck. Can't blame the guy. Uh, maybe Porzingis is a bit... Um, or was a bit pissed that the Knicks might uh, include him in a trade for Anthony Davis. Perhaps Porzingis wants that untouchable status and is offended that he's not looked like that upon the Knicks front office. I mean, in today's world, in today's world in sports in general, nobody's looked at that. Nobody's looked at as an untouchable. Everybody's available for the right price. Now, they may never be traded. Maybe it'll take a fortune and a load off to acquire someone like that, like Angels, obviously, they listen to people. They listen to offers on Mike Trout. Not to say that they'd ever trade him, but if they got the right deal, the right amount of money, the right amount of talent in return, who knows? Nobody's un- and untouchable these days in sports. Now, with this going down, there are now rumblings that Kevin Durant might be looking to come to the Knicks next year, like I said. Uh, he wants to show people he can win championships with a bad team, almost accomplished that in Oklahoma City, unable to do it. He was up 3-1 in the conference championship against the Warriors a few years back in 2016, I believe, and they uh, blew that 3-1 lead. Warriors go on to blow the 3-1 lead against Cleveland. They get their first championship in almost 60 years. Um, but then again, every single player in the league will be connected to the Knicks come the trade deadline and the summer. Knicks looking to score big. If Porzingis was so sure Durant was coming to the Knicks to help revi- revise the brand um, in a non-small market franchise like New York is, I don't know why he'd try and force any trade. Obviously, he doesn't think anything's going to happen. Um, maybe he doesn't think he's actually going to come to the Knicks. Who the hell knows? Uh, it's before the All-Star break during Super Bowl week, and folks will try and take any t- sort of news of the NBA and make it into something to be the most important thing going on. They just will. NBA, to me, not that interesting. You know who's going to win. You know who's going to In my opinion, it's going to be Warrior-Celtics this year. Both teams too strong. Um, Philly will make it interesting. Toronto will make it interesting. 
Um, but I do think it's going to be Warriors and the Celtics. Lakers, I guarantee you they pull out a late run. Everybody thinks they're down in the dumps now. LeBron will find a way. I guarantee you he will find a way. I definitely can see it being Warriors-Lakers in the conference championship, even though most people don't think that. But trust me, people are shocked every single year when LeBron James pulls off something. I mean, last year, I could have predicted Cavs-Warriors, even though they were under 500 at the trade deadline. They cleaned house, got rid of D-Wade, Derrick Rose, all of them. All of them. I still knew the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to the NBA Finals. I just knew. Even when they were up 3-2, when the Celtics were up 3-2 in the conference championship against LeBron, I knew he was going to find a way. Just put him alone on the court out there. They have a chance to go to the playoffs. But regardless, uh, Kristaps Porzingis is gone to the Mavericks. Um, And it does make it a possibility. What kind of super team could the New York Knicks put around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Uh, This week's News has made the idea of the Knicks signing those two max free agents this summer seem far more realistic than about a week ago. Um, First, the Knicks created enough cap space to do so by dealing Porzingis to Dallas, um, while also shedding salaries like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee. And on the heels of that move, not to mention Kyrie Irving, who originally said that he was committed to the Celtics and wanted to re-sign and play in Boston, for most of his career, walked back and took back that uh, preseason commitment statement with the Celtics, which now opens the door for him to potentially join Durant and the Knicks if both interested in coming to the Big Apple, also an unrestricted free agent this summer. Uh, So what kind of team could the Knicks build around Durant and Kyrie Irving? Could it include Anthony Davis as well, who's already said that he wants to play for the Lakers, but you can't turn down a deal where you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanting you to join New York. New York, just as big of a market as Los Angeles, if not even bigger, the biggest market in sports. Davis's uh, agent and camp has already let it be known that he doesn't consider Boston as a long-term home because he doesn't believe in Kyrie Irving's plans to re-sign with the Celtics next season. Uh, the Knicks salary dump trade that moved out Porzingis uh, cleared enough calorie space, like I said, or salary cap space, uh, for the Knicks to chase both Durant and Irving. So, I mean, the Celtics haven't changed their feelings on Kyrie yet, and they consider him a part of their long-term core uh, alongside Tatum and Terry Rozier, Brown. So, I mean, Kyrie Irving hasn't informed the team that his feelings have changed either. So we'll, time will tell with that. Uh, they were asked, or Kyrie Irving was asked about it, and he said, ask me again on July 1st. So who knows? Uh, with trade demands flying and the high pressure of trade season, it's possible that this is simply just useless information, and they're doing it as a publicity stunt considering uh, – both baseball starting up again, and it's Super Bowl weekend. Who knows? Anthony Davis, for example, um, has kind of made it clear that Boston's not really a location for him. He'd prefer to be in L.A. with the Lakers. Uh, Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis, however, are friends and communicate regularly, so maybe Irving can convince him to go elsewhere, wherever Kyrie goes, first in Cleveland, now in Boston. Who knows if he'll stay in Boston? considering Kevin Durant uh, is thinking about leaving the Warriors. So this Super Bowl weekend, Super Bowl 53 between the New England Patriots and the, I almost said St. Louis Rams. <laughs> it's the Los Angeles Rams. Um, 
Brady, Belichick versus McFay, Goff. Uh, it was an interesting week for uh, some media personnel, Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, getting booted out of media night the first night after getting in with a fake credential. Uh, I, I don't exactly know what the name was. I don't, I'm, I'm shocked he got in. I'm quite impressed. Um, I am very impressed by not only Barstool Boston guys, just Boston fans in general. As a New York fan, as a New York baseball fan, um, I, I truly do believe Boston sport fans are the best sport fans in sports. Period. Uh, just in Barstool alone, you got Portnoy, Carabas, Feidelberg, Coley Mick, Steve Peralt, Lockwood—you name them. Uh, Barstool Sports has made it clear how much pride they take in being Bostonian sports fans, pulling multiple stunts, providing excellent content to showcase their passion for their sports teams. Whether it's in Section Ten, the Red Sox podcast with Carabas, uh, Coley Mick, and Steve Peralt, it produced a cult-like following in 2018. I mean, it helped that they won the World Series and had a great run all season. One of the best. It was the best record in the 21st century, so that helped the Section 10 podcast, but it, it was like a cult-like following. It's not like Starting 9 or any of the other podcasts I have. It's just basically on one team, one subject, and they made it interesting. Uh, or you could talk about the invasion of the NFL headquarters a few years back with Portnoy and Feidelberg. They were uh, arrested for being on protest in front of the headquarters building. I mean, these guys have given no indication of letting up when it comes to supporting their guys in Beantown. That's what makes Barstool Sports so unique. Uh, just when the National Football League thought they were done with these guys, they take it one step further. Um, the name on Portnoy's uh, credential was Frankie Lydon with the NFL media personnel. Obviously, I was not Frankie Lydon of the NFL personnel. Interesting that Portnoy picked Frankie. All right, Frankie. I mean, obviously, this guy's Frankie Lydon of the NFL personnel, right? Looking to both interview both teams ahead of Sunday Super Bowl showdown. Frankie Lydon, correct? No? Little? Did you know, however, it was Dave Portnoy all along in a mustache and I Heart Cadell hat? I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. Not to mention that El Presidente was sporting the I Love Goodell hat to further hold the suspicion. He said uh, Barstool Sports was banned from all NFL activities indefinitely, so he had to come incognito, uh, in disguise. So he did. And that's what he told uh, Nesson uh, Sports Network. He would immediately get found by the NFL, was escorted out by security. Uh, he was escorted out of State Farm Arena in Atlanta. Uh PFT commenter, co-host of Barstool's uh, podcast, Pardon My Take, also escorted out by security. They all had fake IDs, so none of uh, none of them were supposed to be there. Um, Portnoy later said that he was charged with criminal trespassing and was told not to return to the arena for a year, which I guess he claimed uh, that wouldn't be an issue considering the Hawks wouldn't be contending against the Celtics for quite some time, wouldn't even want to go to Atlanta regardless. But I take it that uh, the NFL has had their eye on Barstool ever since the uh, deflate gate where Portnoy led three other staff members, including John Feidelberg, uh, as well as himself, into the NFL headquarters in protest of Tom Brady's uh, four-game suspension for deflating footballs in that AFC championship game against the Colts a few years back. Uh, employees from Barstool Sports would then permanently be banned from all NFL Super Bowl events, though apparently uh, the much-loved Commissioner Roger Goodell would go on record stating that he's never heard of no such thing. Obviously, he heard about the protest. I'm just being uh, 
a little uh, sarcastic, of course. Uh, nobody really a big supporter of our NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell. I found it very, uh, very satisfying that he had to hand over the uh, Lombardi Trophy to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick after Super Bowl 51 in Atlanta, the same year they suspended Brady. Um, he had no such smile on his face, of course. Largest comeback in Super Bowl history. Falcons up 28-3. Patriots come back. Again, largest comeback in Super Bowl history. But this would lead Dave Portnoy into designing what is now a very popular Roger Goodell clown t-shirt in which he actually wore on national television on the Seth Meyers Late Show in New York. Uh, he proceeded to put the graphic on 70,000 70, rally towels and handed them out before a Patriots game in 2016, the year they won the Super Bowl. Um, and again, I got to say, as a New York sports fan, I have to give credit to where credit's due. Give the devil its due. Boston sports fans have more passion, more dedication than most fans around the entire nation. And Barstool Sports has provided those fans with content that they can get behind, including blogs, podcasts, radio shows, merchandise, such as the Goodell Clown Towel. And as far as Sunday goes, only time will tell if Portnoy and the boys can find a way to enter Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Should be an interesting story. Tom Brady and company look to salvage their sixth Super Bowl win in a 20-year span. 21st century has been the century of Boston sports teams thus far. Pats look to match the Boston Red Sox after they captured their ninth world title in franchise history in 2018, just a couple of months back. And how about them Celtics too, right? I mean, I don't think... Um, any team's been as successful as Boston, so and I don't think Barstool Sports will be shying away from gloating about their sports teams anytime soon. Royal Rumble this past weekend as we move into wrestling. Uh, Royal Rumble this past weekend in Phoenix. Uh, Royal Rumble weekend over, Road to WrestleMania starting. You can catch all of that recap on my 50-50 booking podcast with Belly Up Sports. You can check that out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn on that app. Uh, me and Declan go over some, some, some stuff. But right now, we're going to get into a little bit about, yes, Declan is coming back on the show. We will be getting back into uh, the five-year anniversary of our Favorite wrestler leaving, CM Punk. CM Punk left five years ago. I believe it was a few days back, January 29th. Today's February 1st, January 29th, 2014. He left WWE in Cleveland. We list our top, our favorite moments from Punk. We went to the Raw. It's actually in my intro with 50-50 booking. We went to the Raw where he uh, asked if he had everybody's attention now in Boston uh, historic Raw for wrestling fans, anyways. Uh, here's me and Declan's take on the five-year anniversary of CM Punk walking out of World Wrestling Entertainment. talking about uh, one thing that we could probably talk about for another hour if we wanted to. You know what today is, Declan? 
Take a guess. Tuesday, January 29th. Correct. However, today is the five-year anniversary of the night CM Punk walked out on WWE. Oh, my God. How funny is that? That was in my head all day. Like, I'm like, January 29th. Why is that a date in my head? Why? And, like, all day, I'm like, I know it's wrestling. Like, I know that's a wrestling date. That's what it is. CM Punk. CM Punk. I think it was Cleveland, Ohio. That's that's when he left. Night after WrestleMania, or night after the Royal Rumble 2014. I'll never forget, I was in the kitchen, you know, doing whatever, and you walk in the door with mom, and you're like, Punk quit. I'm like, because no, no. that was that was like a culture shock at the time. Like Ambrose quitting now, like it's shocking. Like I didn't expect to read that this Dude, morning where, when I woke up. Think, like really think about it. Where would WWE be if Punk did not walk out that night? Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying like Ambrose quit like reportedly leaving. Like that's shocking. I did not expect to read that this morning. But like I'm not like losing my mind about it. Like I literally all I thought about for like an entire week there. Was like, oh my god, CM Punk quit? Did he really quit? No, he didn't really yeah. quit. Like, oh He's my coming god, back. That was, that was it. That was all anyone cared about. He was he was the one of the top guys. He was our favorite wrestler. Yeah, he still is my favorite wrestler of all time. No one no one beats Punk in my opinion. That was that was uh I feel like no matter what we're talking about with these wrestling po- oh, I have a two hour delay tomorrow, word up. Um, yeah, you should see it outside. We have a we, uh, yeah, you, you should see it outside here. It's 85 degrees, sunny. Nice and sunny. Yeah, yeah. I can see out the window. But um, oh, oh, those those couple weeks after Punk left were just crazy. And, and then it wasn't even just a couple weeks. When Shane McMahon returned in 2016, we were like, oh, it might be CM Punk. It might be CM Punk. So let's backtrack there for a little bit. So a few weeks after he quit, I want to say it was like, few weeks, like a month before WrestleMania, I got an alert on my phone saying CM Punk set to return on Monday Night Raw in his hometown of Chicago. And that was the worst night of my we're life. Cra- oh, that was terrible. That, so we, that was the worst we're going crazy. We're like, finally, we knew he was going to come back. And at that point, it felt like five years. It was probably like a month without him. And he was still under contract. He just kind of walked out and left. But I guess supposedly in our minds, we thought he reached an agreement with Vince to come back. So we sit down for all. We're getting ready. They announced like Batista versus Daniel Bryan. It was like March third, I think, in Chicago, his hometown. Everybody going bananas. As soon as like all the opening introductions ends, yeah, the, the cult of personality hits. Everybody goes nuts. We're like, yes, finally. We're like, thank God he's back. And after a while, like at least thirty-five seconds into the song, he still hasn't come out. We're like. Uh, please don't be an angle. And Paul Heyman came out. And after that, you're like, um, I don't know if he's coming out tonight. And then they kind of just shifted it into uh, a Brock Lesnar angle with The Undertaker. And for the rest of the night, we're like, okay, maybe he didn't come out there. But maybe he'll come out at some other point. And I feel like during every segment and every they match in that they show, they made it seem like he was going to return in every single angle and segment or match in that show. Like every AJ, single... AJ, there? AJ was there that night, right? She had an angle. Yeah. Everybody. John Cena came out and they were chanting CM Punk and they're like, man, I've had some very special matches in this uh, arena at the Allstate Arena. 
one Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not the only superstar that you've done that to. I remember when, when Orton was injured in 2015, every week on Raw. Oh, yeah. And that was exciting. Like, we were really excited for him to come back because he just turned on the authority. Yeah, that's true. And then he came back at Fastlane, right? Yeah, and it wasn't even that exciting at that point. Like, it was like a five-month wait. Like, I, I, remember, I remember when he turned on them at first, RKO'd Rollins. He uh, shoved Triple H. Like, it was like the full deal. And then they t- wrote him off for like five months. No, but literally every angle in that show, like you were waiting for Punk's music. You're waiting, again. but because they literally set it up as like not not necessarily to make it seem like he was going to come out, but they they set it up as a perfect situation for him to come out. Not only a perfect situation, they made it look like a situation where he would like most definitely come out. What? So th- like they. There was the opening segment. Opening segment, his music hit, right? Heyman comes out, says Punk's not here tonight, blah, blah, blah. You think he's coming out, whatever. There are a few matches. I can't remember how they went down. I felt like he was going to come out. They, like, mentioned something. Main event time, Brian versus Batista turns into a three-on-one assault. Triple H, uh, Batista, and Randy Orton all beating up Daniel Bryan. Um, And at that point, the crowd's going nuts. CM Punk. CM Punk, CM Punk, and you think like, okay, this is it. Corporate Kane comes out. He was in a rivalry with Corporate Kane at the time, before he left, before the Royal Rumble, and you're thinking this is it. Come out. They're just beating him up like choke slam, Batista bomb, RKO, Pedigree, nothing. That's how the show ends. Roll the credits. That was it. Like just imagine the pop in the All Star Arena when all those guys are getting their ass kicked, and then. Cult of personality hits and he comes running down the ramp. Like, oh my god, oh my god, fantastic! But what if he does sign a part time deal with AEW? How amazing, amazing! Because he has the rights to the name CM Punk. He has the right to use the song Cult of Personality. He can be CM Punk in AEW. I mean, he was CM Punk in UFC, although that didn't go very well. Hopefully, that contract runs out soon. Apparently, he's still under contract. With Dana White, but he's never going to use him again. Okay, yeah, Dana White doesn't want to use him again. No one wants to see Punk fight anymore. It's like, that's hard to watch. <laughs> I remember UFC 203. I'm like, all right, Punk's going to win. I was watching it with my buddy AP, and he literally put $90 on the table. He's like, I'll bet you all the money I have in my pocket right now, Punk walks out of here. To like one of our other buddies, I'm like, ah, take that money back, buddy. I don't know if it's going to go our way tonight. But I remember it was in Cleveland, the same arena where he left WWE, his first how, UFC how, fight. How iconic is that? Ironic. Though it was iconic, but ironic. Very um, ironic. No, I, I, I meant iconic when I said it. Like, it must have been iconic for him, you know, to be finally taking this next step and furthering his career. And, oh man. The arena that he ended his last career. That was one of the worst nights I've ever watched UFC. Like, one of my worst UFC nights ever. Watch, like, he lost in, like, about a minute and a half to Mickey Gall. It was embarrassing. It was so yeah. hard to watch. Two minutes and 15 seconds. You thought he was, like, he prepared for, like, two years. I thought he was ready. Three? Almost three. When was that, 2016? Yeah, 2016. Nope, yeah. No. That was three years ago. No, it was 2017. No, that was 2016. His second fight was in 2018. 
way. Yeah. I thought that was a 2017 fight. The time is flying. Yeah, so he fought in September 2016 and then, like, I think June or July this past year in 2018. That one was in Chicago. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. A lot, so those were not very good punk memories, but we, no. you've had a lot of good punk memories over the years. A lot. Oh, so many. Number one has to be that Raw before the Royal Rumble in Boston. That was our first WWE event ever. And that was one of the most iconic Raws. One of the most iconic Raws ever, with CM Punk basically telling Vince McMahon that he's going to kick him in the nuts and he's going to like it and show him some respect. Yeah, but how insane, how much more insane would that Raw have been if we were 20 20 and 17 in 2011? Oh, amazing. I mean, one of these days, that's going to happen again. You know Vince is going to give the green light to somebody. Especially how ratings are right now. Um, but the, the thing is, ratings were not down when Punk was leaving. No. So, oh, what an amazing Raw that was. Like, I still remember, like, where we were sitting. I remember, I, like, remember our surroundings. Like, I have memories from that night. Like, I remember, like, walking in and seeing, you know, a WWE set for the first time. Seeing the stage for the first time, the ring. I remember we were like, of course, our first show, they screw up and they have... They have WWE superstars apron and not the Raw apron. Oh, I, I, I'm like, are we at the right show? Do you remember that? <laughs> like, are we at the right God, show? This is definitely a lie. <laughs> and I remember it was funny because I think it was the Raw that we went to at the IZOD Center. Um, and we stole those kids' seats and then they all showed up. And they're like, I think these are seats. And I'm like, ah, ah. And I sat in the row in front of us uh, I, I remember I remember hearing two of them saying the same thing they're like why does it say superstars and not raw <laughs> yeah I guess that's a rookie thing everybody learns from it yeah of course uh, but that had like that I don't know like literally that whole segment like can I have everybody's attention now that whole promo that's on my new uh, 50-50 booking podcast with Belly like, Up Sports that's in my intro we were there we were there when he said, can I have everybody's attention now? Yeah. I brought a megaphone just in case they want to cut my microphone off. We were I there. have the balls to say things that nobody else has the balls to say. Gold. Pure gold. Absolute gold. His delivery, uh, the contract signing, amazing. You are what you hate. You're you dumbest. have become the New York, New York Yankees. Yankees. Punches him right in the face. Oh, uh, so so amazing. Like, but what if, like, because I'm saying, if we were, if that Raw was in 2019 and, and we had, like, all the social media, like, we would most definitely realize that it was off script because he was supposed to sign the contract that night. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then they had to play the angle like he left. That's the only thing I feel like they regret about that whole angle. He should have been off TV for a lot longer than one but week. It was no, he missed. I think two weeks. No, well, yeah. So he should. He was gone for the night after Money in the Bank. Then he returned on the next episode at the very end of the show. So he was really only off one show. No, so no. I'm pretty sure it was the Raw after Money in the Bank was when they started the tournament. And then they then they finished the tournament the they, next week, and then John Cena yeah. got his rematch in the main event, and then Punk came out after. 
Yeah, you're right. Okay, so yeah. What, he literally was only missed one. He, he should have missed like four months. He should have came back at like the Royal Rumble. Like imagine if he returned in the Royal Rumble. I mean, I love how we, I love well, how they played it off like he was still, goal. they played it off like he was still the champion. So like, uh, like imagine if John Cena was the champion around WrestleMania season as he's set to face off with his once in a lifetime match with The Rock and CM Punk just throws a wrench in things. That would have been awesome. I know. Like, we truly are WWE fans because we're somehow finding a way to complain about one of the greatest storylines of all time. That happened eight years. Dude, that was eight years ago. Eight years. Dude, this year, 2019, is the 10-year anniversary of Michael Jackson's death. It was a decade ago. We are getting old. Oh my god. Come August. August August twenty-sixth. No. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the exact date is, but this August will be the ten year anniversary of Jeff leaving WWE. Like that like I remember watching that SmackDown. Man. I, I, I watched that. I watched that CLK it opened the show. I, mean, I thought it was another great CM Punk rivalry. Well, that, I think that rivalry is what really set him up for the rest of his career. No, I mean, he he was in the mid-card for a while after that. He moved to Raw, had that rivalry with Rey Mysterio, was in a Straight yeah. Edge Society. He was kind of a mid-card. That, that, yeah, but that, at least the mid-card was relevant in that era. Like, that that was the only difference. Because, because, the, because Raw was still, you know, two hours every week so the mid card was relevant mid card was relevant on Smackdown as well that that's the problem with moving the show to three hours like but you know besides the point well he actually he really did kind of become a mid carder like late 2010 early 2011 when he was like a commentator right so kind of sure. picked up a little bit he got into a mini rivalry with Cena when he uh, formed the new Nexus in the Royal Rumble match yeah and well, then he ended up facing Randy Orton at WrestleMania. How nuts! How nuts is it to think that the 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 go home Raw before Money in the Bank was he like he was still a part of the he was still the leader of the Nexus. Yeah, and well, kind of. He, kind of they like weren't on screen the together, but they were all wearing the same T-shirt. Yeah, uh, and like he was still technically part of the Nexus. So I mean, I guess technically we saw him. The last time he was in the Nexus. In the Nexus. Oh, by the way, speaking of the Nexus, guess who's coming on the show in three weeks? All right, there's a lot of. There's a lot. I mean, he's not he's not one of the headliners, but he was one of the more athletic superstars. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna. I was guessing Wade Barrett. I got hyped for a second. No, no. I mean, this guy. I think he's in I Ring of like, Honor right now. He's either in Ring of Honor or Lucha Underground. Justin Gabriel? There you go, Justin Gabriel. Wow, that's cool. Though, he, his name is now PJ Black. Yeah. But he is coming on the show in three weeks. Um, that's really cool. I remember Vince McMahon, after uh, they, they asked him, like, what do you think about um, Justin Gabriel leaving? And he was like, who's Justin Gabriel? Oh, man. What an awful boss. <laughs> he really is. 
but when you're when you're around that long, like I can only imagine being how the, much talent being, has come through. Being the boss of a company for almost fifty years. Yeah, he's probably this is his this so is his whole life. life. You know? Think about it. He's in the gorilla position, sitting there week in and week out, seeing so many faces come in and out. Like so many. Oh. CM, so CM Punk, there was the pipe bomb in Vegas on Raw Roulette. It was the promo with Vince and the contract signing in Boston. Beats Cena for the title, leaves after Money in the Bank in Chicago. Comes back, beats Cena, and then for whatever reason, they throw Kevin Nash into the storyline. Like back it then, does. back then we're thinking, okay, that's interesting. Now when I look back at it, like why did they do that? Yeah, I, if we like, if we were this age, I'm saying like, I feel like a lot of what went on in 2011 wouldn't be as over with us, but it would st- definitely still be more entertaining than what's going on now. Like, I don't. There's a lot WWE needs to do, in my opinion. Like, there's just a lot. I think. Their production value way too high. Like they got to get rid of those graphics that they throw. Oh, that's terrible! Why do they like, do that? What, what is that during the entrances? They like throw those. That's graphics. only at the big four pay per views, I think. Though, that's still horrible. I don't know that's why still they do terrible. that. I don't want to see that at WrestleMania. Gross! Like everybody knows they're fake. I don't even know what they are. Don't, you, have you gone back and seen what they look like at the Rumble? Oh, oh! They look like massive, like. Bugs yeah, they made that, it look that, like, that'll like they made it look creep in your carpet or something like that. Yeah, they almost made it look like as if there was a huge stage at the Rumble. It was it was terrible. Yeah. I don't like that. There's yeah. a lot of like I mean going back to that Nash angle, could you imagine if instead of Nash that was like Shawn Michaels, sweet chin music to punk, then Del Rio oh, comes down? Crazy. But the thing with having Kevin Nash like the thing is, to us, when we were watching, so, like, we started watching, like, what, two weeks before WrestleMania 27? Yeah. So, to us, seeing Kevin Nash show up was, like, completely random, but if you really think about it, it was kind of like a Bubba Ray Dudley thing in 2015, where he showed up at the Royal Rumble, and then you don't hear about him, and then a couple of months later, yeah. he shows up. Full-time. That's exactly what they did with Kevin Nash. Showed up in the Rumble in 2011. Yeah. It made no sense, though, because he didn't wrestle Punk. Like, after that, you assume, all right, they're going to go into a feud. They kind of did, no. but they never had a match. They immediately jumped the gun on CM Punk versus Triple H, which they should have waited on. And then they immediately bury Punk as Triple H wins. Yeah. Which he went back and said on, like, the Cole Cabana podcast, saying, like, I should have not put over Triple H there. Given how early it was in that push, yeah, it made uh, it made no sense. No, it didn't. Honestly, like if Kevin Nash was never going to wrestle CM Punk, Shawn Michaels should have hit him with sweet chin music because Shawn, you know, Shawn Michaels was never going to face him because he was retired. Yeah, honestly, if you weren't going to have the guy wrestle, like why use Kevin Nash when you could have used Shawn Michaels? Oh, so many unanswered questions back then. And a match that, so given that these are my two favorite wrestlers of all time, I didn't appreciate it back then as much as I would appreciate it in today's WWE. 
At WrestleMania 28 for the WWE title, CM Punk versus Chris Jericho. Yeah. Like, I honestly would have appreciated that much more now, even a few years back, than I would have back then. Back then, it was kind of cool because Jericho came back to, like, save WWE or whatever in his light bright jacket. But at that time, I'm like, all right, I know the name Chris Jericho. I knew he was a big WWE superstar, but I don't really know him. Cool that he's back. They throw him in the match against Punk. That's cool. But it wasn't like, oh my god, Punk versus Jericho. Remember the guest room in our house? It's now Mom's office. Yeah. That white bed in there. And we were watching Raw on that old TV. Yeah, I remember. We used to watch Raw there every week. And that's when when we saw Jericho return. And And I was was such an idiot. Like, they went back uh, after showing that last final creepy old school promo or whatever that was. Yeah. I mean, if you actually go back yeah. and listen to that dialogue, you could tell like, okay, it's, it, it's, it's someone returning. And back then we but didn't, we had no we didn't, idea what was going on. That, that was the best. We, that's why we tuned in every week. We didn't know what was going to happen. No, like we were dumb to the point that after that last promo, when they went back into the arena and they were shaking the cameras, I thought the arena was shaking. I was like, wow, these fans must be terrified. Okay, I, I didn't... <laughs> well, you were a couple of years older than me. I did right? not think that. But I also, like, I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, oh my God, who's coming out? Because we I didn't use the internet. We didn't check, you know? Like, we didn't check for spoilers or rumors. No. We kind of discovered that in, like, 2012, all 2013. Of sudden, all of a sudden, it just goes silent, and then it just goes, break the wall. I, like, I freaked out. I was, that was the coolest thing I ever saw. Uh, he goes on to face Punk at WrestleMania, then at Extreme Rules, the whole alcohol uh, angle, bringing up Punk's family. It was a good angle. Um, yeah. Punk, Jericho, like, again, would have appreciated it, and maybe we'll see it sometime down the line in All Elite Wrestling. Who knows? Could you imagine the return of CM Punk versus the newly renovated Chris Jericho? Oh, my. Could you imagine AJ Styles jump ship after WrestleMania? CM Punk versus AJ Styles. But is CM Punk going to be as hot as he used to be? That's the only thing. The The name itself is yeah, hot as it used to be. CM Punk, Kenny Omega. Yeah. CM well, Punk, Cody Rhodes at this point. Awesome. AJ Styles versus Cody Rhodes. Yeah. There's so many matches that they could throw out there. That's why I'm getting excited. AJ Styles versus Pac. Honestly. Like, honestly, because who the hell wants to see AJ Styles versus Neville? No one, because they buried Neville. But AJ Styles versus Pac, that's different. Ugh. And then Punk goes... So, again, I'm still on the CM Punk five years later. Uh, he goes on to be champion for 434 days. Doesn't lose the title at all during that reign. Turns heel halfway through. Raw 1000 turned heel by GTSing The Rock. Which, again, at that time was shocking. We didn't check spoilers. I wonder if we could have, though. Like, was that predicted? No, honestly, I think I did check then. Like, back then, it was like, okay, yeah, Randy Orton... Because Randy Orton wasn't there. Like, and we checked SmackDown spoilers all the time. Remember SmackDown spoilers? Oh, yeah. Because it was, it was always taped. Yeah. Uh, but we, we checked. But, like, they were saying, like, Randy Orton might return in the main event, and, like, Punk, Cena, and Punk, or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I was expecting a yeah, great... Yeah, it was in St. Louis. I remember that show. I, it was in St. Louis. I was expecting a great CM Punk, John Cena classic match. It wasn't really that awesome. Uh, then Big Show comes in, 
caused us a DQ, which sucked. So what was the point of seeing cashing in money in the bank then if he was just going to lose by DQ? Like, if he lost clean, that's one thing, but to lose by DQ, that's another. Rock comes out. I, I figure, okay, the show's just going to end with The Rock hitting the people's elbow and throwing his hand up in the air, and that was it. And then Punk clotheslines him out of nowhere. I'm like, holy crap, they just turned him heel. Like, I wasn't expecting that. That was like when Daniel Bryan turned heel this year. I, I didn't expect it. Yeah, except when Punk turned heel, it was a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah, and they played it off for a while like he wasn't turning heel. He just, like, didn't like The Rock. But after a few weeks, he shaved his head and basically turned on everybody, teamed up with Paul Heyman. I totally forgot that he mentioned, like, he's a Paul Heyman guy in that pipe bomb speech. No, that's why, like, because he mentions Lesnar, too. That's why I find that so cool. And, you know, in the Raw I was watching um, yesterday from 2011, it was uh, Raw two weeks before SummerSlam. He's talking to CM, or he's talking to Triple H, and he's bringing up the same point about how time and time again you guys get main event caliber stars and you let them slip right through your fingers. Guys like Batista, guys like Bret Hart, guys like Chris Jericho. He was talking about, and that was in 2011. So that it was really cool. Yeah, I think he, he mentioned Brock Lesnar in that, and he, he mentioned yeah. Lesnar again in that promo as well, which is really cool. And then Looking you saw all those it, yeah. guys come back. <laughs> and he even said like he's like maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead it's only going to be taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law like all this stuff happened I mean it's all happening Vince hasn't died but all that happened like honestly how I, and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that the pipe bomb speech is responsible for where WWE is today. But he predicted but, a lot of stuff. Yeah, but WWE definitely would not be where it is today if it weren't for that speech. I mean, that was one of the most iconic speeches ever delivered on WWE. I mean, he said Vince McMahon is a millionaire who should be a billionaire, but he's not a you billionaire because he, a billionaire. he surrounds himself with yes-men like John Laurinaitis. Who, who knows who he's surrounding himself with, Road Dog and Jeff Jarrett, though those guys might change his perspective. But the guys who have been there for the past couple of years were probably yes-men because the product's been so bad that you know Vince is out of touch. You know yeah. that like he, he's literally like gone insane. Like He's not giving control to his kids or his brother or his son-in-law who has revolutionized NXT, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. NXT, like, if NXT, if NXT broke off and became its own brand and it wasn't linked to WWE, it would, it would be so incredibly successful. Like, they're able to sell out Arena like NXT takeovers honestly sometimes sell more tickets than the next night's pay per view. Like NXT takeover Brooklyn three sold more tickets than a uh, SummerSlam two thousand seventeen. I could see NXT that. becoming its own brand, not like out of WWE. I could see it being Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Yeah, but it just doesn't make sense because NXT is next. That's what that means. Like the next superstar, like the next big superstar. They could they could spin it. I mean, honestly, like that poll that went up, remember a few months ago on like their Instagram story, they were putting like, should Rollins win the Rumble? Yes, and then he did. 
Um, uh, they said that uh, should John Cena go to NXT? I not specifically John Cena would be interesting, but like other superstars to go to NXT, that'd be interesting. Seth yeah, Rollins yeah. goes back down, goes one on one with Adam Cole. Let's do it. Yeah, why not? AJ Styles versus Ricochet. Let's do it. Oh my god, so many great matches. Except why do that? The, that's the thing. Why do that? when you can pull those guys up to the main roster and have them face each other on a bigger stage. Because that's what they want to do. Which, they mark and, those matches and, and and they, but that, in essence, ruins their character because now they're in the WWE in a giant pool swimming with sharks where they're down in NXT, still pure, still megastars so down there. Creative freedom. Correct. Imagine, like, Dean Ambrose versus Tommaso Ciampa. I can't wait till that, that that dude's on the main roster. Well, but Triple H I'm had an scared. I'm scared for every NXT star. Tri- well, Triple H had an interview recently. Whether it was at like the UK NXT, saying that the goal is to make NXT its own brand. Like they're signing guys. Some of them uh, are going to be uh, groomed to go up to the main roster. But he says, "I want to keep most of these guys down here as a brand." Yeah. Well, if he didn't want to do that, Ricochet, Adam Cole, like, they wouldn't, Samoa Joe, they never would, Nakamura even. If he didn't want to make it his own brand, like, why even have those guys in NXT? Because they don't need NXT. We know all those dudes don't need, didn't need NXT. Like, Adam Cole doesn't need to be in NXT. Ricochet doesn't need to be in NXT. You know who needed to be in NXT? I'm sorry I'm mentioning him, because he wasn't even in the Rumble match which I think they should have at least given him a spot, considering he's probably going to leave for AEW or Ring of Honor, wherever the hell he came from, because he was such a main event star back then. Uh, Michael Bennett. Mike Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. He did need NXT. Like, if they groomed him in NXT, like, he would have been big in NXT. He would have been decently big. Who knows how it would have gone in WWE. But at least he would have had a good experience. He immediately went to the main roster and immediately had his manhood stripped from him because he had to use his wife's maiden name. But, yeah, honestly. I remember when they debuted, I'm like, oh, sweet, Maria's back. And Mike Bennett's here. Because he, ma- he made a name for himself in Ring of Honor. And New yeah, Japan, I think. Mike Kanellis? And they come out, I am Maria Kanellis. I'm like, hell yeah. I am Mike Kanellis. What the hell did he just say? Uh. I don't understand. It would have been so much like, When he Kanellis. said, and like, my name is Mike Kanellis, you already knew that wasn't going to work out. Like, well, it was good having you, Mike. Uh, back during of honor, you what, go. What pay-per-view was that? That was Money in the Bank in 2016? 2017. 2017? 2017. Brutal. He never even had, a, like, a legitimate rivalry. I think he faced, like, Sami yeah. Zayn at Battleground, but that was it. He did nothing. He didn't. But it's so, it's so annoying because it's almost as if the WWE brainwashes these guys to believe that if they don't succeed on the main roster, it's on them. They, they, I feel like they make their guys believe that they're responsible for their own success. And by those guys, you mean like Vince and Road Dog and... Right. Right. Vince and all of his yes men. All of his douchebag yes men. John 
Lauren Ice. You know what we didn't talk about for the Royal Rumble? The match that I thought was great that isn't getting enough credit because obviously it's probably not going to go anywhere. Shane McMahon and The Miz becoming the new SmackDown yeah, Tag Team Champions. I thought, you know, I thought it was pretty cool they came out in matching jerseys. Um, I just, I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to have to tune in tonight to see it's, that show. It's probably going to lead to a McMahon-Miz-WrestleMania match, but the match itself was pretty good. Shane McMahon with the, uh, what you might call it? The shooting star press off the top yeah, rope. I, for a fifty-year-old man, it's very impressive. He almost didn't. He almost didn't do the flip correctly. Yeah. On the way down, he was like pushing it, like flailing his arms. I'm like, ah, oh, you better get there. Uh, but he did, and yeah, he was dead after that. He's like, man, three ice baths later. Good win. Uh, but that was the Rumble pay per view. Uh, Raw last night. We have two main events again: Lesnar versus Rollins. Rousey versus Becky. Um, SmackDown Live tonight. Uh, was it a half hour away? Uh, uh, AEW rising. Am- Dean Ambrose officially leaving WWE in April after WrestleMania. Chris Jericho announcing today that he is returning to New Japan Pro Wrestling part-time. And now he's part-time with AEW. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens in pro wrestling. A lot happening these fast these past few days in professional wrestling. Uh, highlight of the weekend, of course, Randy Orton RKOing Nia Jax. Got a good laugh out of that. Today marks the five-year anniversary without CM Punk. As we leave the podcast tonight, Declan, what is your favorite memory of CM Punk? Oh, that's a tough question. We're going to be sitting here in silence while I'm thinking for like the next half. And hour. and you can't you can't say money in the bank or the whole pipe bomb yeah. and negotiation no, okay. thing because we talked about that too much. Does it have to be post money in the bank 2011? Uh no, not necessarily. I don't okay. mind probably. I, I, I wouldn't say this is my favorite CM Punk moment of all time because to be completely truthful, my favorite CM Punk moment of all time probably does fall somewhere in the in the 2011 Cena rivalry. Um, but one of my favorite matches of all time uh, because of the finish is uh, CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy at Night of Champions 2009, where Hardy finally wins the world title. It was one of my favorite matches. So I, I, I guess I can say that was one of my favorite Punk moments. I think my favorite Punk... Now, this was just a segment. It was with Triple H and Kevin Nash. And basically, Triple H is like, the line stops here, Kevin. Whatever, because I guess he lied to him the week before. Punk's like pretending to puke on the ground. He's like, you, you expect anybody to believe That's this crap? And then he was basically saying, like, make the match Kevin Nash versus CM Punk. And he's like, yeah, why don't you make the match, brother? But of course, first you have to check with the board of directors. And by board of directors, I mean your wife. And he's like, she's the one who makes the decisions anyways. Let's face it, you're not the one who wears the pants in the family, but you do wear her panties, don't you? And he's just like, pipe bomb. Great line. Great promo. A lot of... But I know where that hand's been. Oh. He was truly one of a kind. One of a kind. There's no one like CM Punk. No one like CM Punk. This this was meant to be an hour-long podcast and it turned into an almost two hour long podcast because you, you, you said CM Punk <laughs> oh, 
I might have to split them up. Great, great week for professional wrestling uh, publicity-wise. Not a great week for WWE. Uh, great week for wrestling publicity-wise. So that'll wrap up episode 46 of the O Show podcast. Remember, it is presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. Get all your fantasy baseball, football, lacrosse, soccer, you name it, gear at FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. It is powered by Podbean and and Pinecast. It's a weird name for a podcast, but whatever. It's Pinecast. Powered by Pinecast and Podbean. Uh, check some of the episodes out on Spotify as well. If it's up and running now, who knows? Uh, I'm going to end this episode with a little reminder. Apparently, the day after the Super Bowl is a national holiday now. Thanks to the one and only Katie Nolan announced it on her show. Uh, given that everybody is partying and screaming and occasionally drinking the night after the Super Bowl, the Monday, the first Monday in February is now a national holiday. Let's listen in. The Super Bowl is this peak of stress and emotion and probably drinking for so, so many of us. We can't just go back to work after that. If players get two weeks in between games because they need to get ready for their jobs, we deserve at least a day. So that, thank you. So that is why I went ahead and filed paperwork with the national day calendar to declare the day after the Super Bowl a national holiday. And folks, I am very excited to announce we got approved. Yeah. Okay. So, from here on out, the first Monday in February will officially be National Football Hangover Day. I will say, I will say, I realize after we did that, that there may be a Super Bowl in which, like, the, month, the first Monday is not the day after. We're going to cross that bridge when we get to it. There you go. National Super was it National Super Bowl Hangover Day, February fourth. You got it. Everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. This was episode forty six of the O Show podcast, powered by Podbean and Pinecast. Hit it, Hootie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.